go live. Does Zoom say we're live? Zoom says we're live, so we're probably live. Hey, everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Divi Chat. Let me let me mute my feed. Oh, it's I thought you were saying let me mute Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let me mute Leslie. I, <laughs> it takes a few seconds for it to kick in on YouTube, so and it always throws me off. And unfortunately, I moved away from the window. So this week we're going to talk about social media tools. We use tools to help manage social media. So posting the social media, uh, automating that process and stuff. Obviously, as your business grows and you grow, you know, there's only so much time in a day, you know, and you got to get efficient and stuff. And and we'll tell you about some of the tools that we use, all of the panelists use and stuff and strategies that we have. Uh, and Corey just disappeared. <laughs> we'll, we'll see if he comes back. <laughs> but before we get kicked off today, let's let's go ahead and introduce ourselves. And we're going to start with ladies first. Hi, Leslie. Uh, hi, um, Leslie Bernal here of A Girl in Her Mac, um, and you can find me at a girl in her Mac design. And I do have some socials. I have a Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All um, are at a girl in her Mac. Awesome! So glad you're here. Hi, Stephanie. Hey, guys! Thanks for letting me join again. I'm Stephanie Hudson with Sweet Pea Media, and I'm coming at you from Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm at, um, my domain is enjoysweettea.com, and I'm on all the socials, Instagram and Facebook, Twitter, all of those at enjoysweettea. Fantastic. Nathan. Sorry, Tim. Hey, I'm uh, Nathan B. Weller, and I'm uh, representing Elegant Themes today. Fantastic. Ooh, I'm blurry. Hey, Tim. Hey everybody, Tim Streifler here, and uh, you can find me online at divilife.com, timstreifler.com, and wpgears.com. Fantastic. And Corey Jenkins says his internet went down. We'll see if he gets back up. Corey, if you're watching this on your phone, feel free to jump back in. Uh, Corey's the same tags as me, so I'm David Blackman with Aspen Grove Studios, Divi Space, WP Gears. Uh, and you can find us on all of those things at Divi Space, Aspen Grove. Just Google us. You'll find us on all the socials. So I guess, you know, today we're going to kind of talk about, I don't know if this was a panelist chosen topic or if this was one that was submitted by a user or not. Not that it really matters, but, you know, there's a lot that goes into marketing a business online and being successful. Part of that strategy is social media. Obviously you can't ignore it. A lot of times Facebook will come up ahead of your own website in the search rankings. So, um, you know, the, these, these platforms are just entirely too big to ignore anymore. So, but it's really, really hard to decide which ones should I post to, what times should I post? What time a day? Is there a day a week? Is there tools that can help automate this process? And hopefully we're going to talk about, you know, some of everybody's experience of what they found is best and their strategies for social media 
um, posting and stuff because I know even for me today, it's still, it's an immense amount of work. So, um, you know, why don't we talk about that? And I don't know where we want to get kicked off. Do you guys have a, a preference of tools, times, days, or individual strategies? Maybe talk about that or give me some input. I, I have an idea to kind of frame the conversation because I think um, <clears throat> it's easy to get into the weeds on the tools and best practices and stuff like that. But I think a fundamental question a lot of people probably need to ask themselves is like, is this necessary? Like, do I need to be doing social media marketing for my business? And if so, like on what networks? And so right. um, one thing I wanted to bring up close to the top of the discussion, I guess now's as good time as any, is kind of a few rules of thumb that I follow and um, that I think Elegant Themes has followed is that we follow um, the, the rules are this. You follow your audience, then you follow the return on investment, and then you follow the traction. <laughs> so um, if your audience is somewhere, go hang out there. If uh, you get traction there, or sorry, if you, if you are posting there and your audience is there, but there's no return, that's a problem. Um, and then in terms of what works is and what types of things you should be posting, um, follow, you know, follow the traction. If something gets a lot of likes, it gets a lot of shares, just, you know, don't overcomplicate it. Like follow the, follow the traction. If something takes off, go, well, let's try some more of that and variations on that until you settle into a groove and understand what your audience wants. Um, I think there's, it's really easy to spend a lot of time going to social networks that no one is on for, for who you're like the people you're trying to talk to, they're not there just because it's your favorite social network. Um, <laughs> I think it's also a mistake to spend a lot of time on a social network where there's no return on your investment. Um, I have a story about that. <laughs> and then um, finally, like, you know, don't fall in love with your type of content, like post the kind of things that your, your audience wants and, and just be consistent with that. I think those are good kind of principles to, to frame the conversation because um, it is very easy to get caught up in like, oh, I can be super efficient. There are all these tools out there that allow me to automate. So I'm going to automate stuff to everything. And, <laughs> uh, and I'm going to spend like half my day every single day, like, you know, chasing that comment or chasing that like or chasing that share. But, you know, is your audience there? Is there any return on investment? And are you getting the kind of traction that justifies, you know, your effort? Those are things that I think everybody needs to ask before they even worry about optimizing. They just need to see if they found a good fit to begin with. I yeah, think that's a really good. Sorry, David. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was gonna say that's a really good point. Um, I, that resonates a lot with me because I think when you create a new website, a new business. Um, it's really tempting to go out and create profiles and spend time like trying to get followers on every network. Um, and obviously, yeah, like you said, Nathan, if your audience isn't there, then, you know, don't spend the, the time for me with um, what I've done with, with Divi life is it, I kind of went to the approach of less is more. Like I don't have time to go after every network, um, you know, nor should I for the reasons you mentioned, Nathan. Um, and so I focus just on, on Facebook and YouTube and, you know, haven't even bothered with the others and sure there might be some things out there that like I'm missing out on and, you know, some audience there that I could be capturing, but it all comes down to, to bandwidth and, you know, what I can do. David's pointing at something. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that resonates a lot with me. I totally agree. 
Yeah, I think that's a good question. I guess one of the things that popped into my mind as you were talking, Nathan, sorry, Tim, I didn't mean to point derail you. Uh, if you all <laughs> see a, a, a uh, young child going back and forth at summertime, <laughs> kids may come into the, to the picture of Divi chat and stuff. Um, one of the things that came to my mind when Nathan was talking was if I'm new to WordPress and I'm new to Divi and I'm new to, to web design and stuff, how will I know to find out where my audience is? You know, how do I know? How do I determine that? Do you guys have any um, ideas or, or thoughts on how to determine finding where, where that audience is to focus on? Keyword search. Like, so are people talking about, you know, the, the things that you're doing? So, you know, for a lot of us, they're doing Divi businesses. Are people talking about Divi? Are they talking about WordPress? Are they talking about page builders, stuff like that? Um, I, that's kind of my first instinct. I don't know, Nathan, do you have better advice? No, I think that that's a great, you know, a great place to start. You know, like every uh, social network has its own version of that, whether it's just the Facebook search box or a hashtag or some type of a filter or keyword um, plug yourself in, plug, you know, your related topics in and see what shows up. If you find a thriving community, I think, you know, you guys are all evidence that it's worth joining existing communities and branching out from there. Um, and you know, you might do what happened, you know, you might find what happened to us, which was that your community may have already found its home and already built, you know, its own infrastructure, so to speak with like Facebook groups or some, some other, you know, form of that. Uh, back in the day, Google Groups had just tons of WordPress stuff. And, uh, you know, when you find that and you find that uh, interest there, uh, plug in and I would say listen to the conversation, observe what's going on. And if you think you can compete in terms of quality and in terms of like what that group is is looking for, then jump in with both feet. Awesome. I think you got to start, though, you have to understand who your audience actually is which i think is a big thing that some people skip past right you gotta do your avatar or even just get a general concept of what age range what gender what salary level all of these kind of things you know is it somebody that's gonna be on instagram or are you targeting an older audience or are you targeting stay-home moms that are going to be all up over pinterest or what you know who is your audience so it's not just what interests you or where you find a niche, but you've got to figure out who you want to find and then figure out what the demographics of each of the different networks are. That's worked for me. Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of analytics out there these days that wasn't around maybe 10 years ago, even five years ago, that will help you to determine whether or not your audience is on what social platforms and stuff. So I know Facebook seems to be really big for WordPress. I know Twitter is really big for WordPress. Um, not sure about Instagram yet, for example. I know there are a lot of WordPressers on Instagram. I don't know that that people have, you know, figured out how to crack, you know, the different social networks, you know, so to speak. So I think there are, I, I agree with everything everybody said, you know, type in your keyword, type in what it is that you're doing with your business and stuff. See how much volume is on that social network. You can do it. Even if you don't understand the analytics tools of Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you don't want to dive into all those things. Just type in there in, in Facebook, you know, Divi, for example, and you're going to see 
a ton of Facebook groups, a ton of, of pages that come up, and you're going to see numbers associated with that. And if there are hundreds or thousands, tens of thousands in some cases, it's probably a good place to target yourself and stuff. Or, um, or Can I add one more thing on the demographic side? Sure. Yes. So um, one thing that I found was really interesting um, is that while there's a lot to be gained from the demographics, like sometimes you still have to make some kind of judgment calls. So for instance, uh, you, you know, if you look at our Facebook demographics, we're overwhelmingly, uh, our audience is overwhelmingly male and it's like late twenties to early, late forties, something like that. And and yet for our, for WordPress in general, we have a much higher percentage of women who use Divi, I think, than um, a lot of other WordPress products, or we have a lot more like vocal and um, visible women in, in our community, our sub community than the WordPress community as a whole. And we've intentionally tried to foster that because we saw that as something that's unique about our community. It's like, yes, it is still male dominated, but we wanted to appeal to the higher percentage of women, even, even amongst, you know, that's that smaller demographic. So, you know, it, it's hard to say like none of this stuff, I, I guess I only bring that up because I want to say that none of this stuff is hard and fast. Like you're still going to have to like use your judgment and figure out, you know, what your, what your audience is responding to. And also you can try to find, you know, some missed opportunities. So like, I, that's kind of what we saw in, in our female demographic when we're in terms of marketing and freebies and things like that we're designing is, you know, turns out that a lot of women like good design <laughs> like that's you know <laughs> yeah. and so that's something that we f feel is really like one of the, our, the pillars of our brand and so we totally. wanted to go with that and we wanted to continue to foster that by having you know just as much stuff that you know we thought would be appealing so it's it, but that again is completely opposite of what the, the analytics would tell us the analytics would be like hone in on those those men and we yeah. chose to try to find more of a 50 50 balance if if that's possible so i agree totally and i think even on top of that too in the line of reasoning with ignoring the analytics if it's not a network that you like or you're gonna be able to do it well either hire somebody to do it or don't do it like i keep i keep thinking i'm gonna just delete my instagram account because i i never post on there for my business and it looks worse if you go and it's a ghost town yeah. like it's yeah. like a neglected blog looks worse than not yeah <laughs> yeah so it's like if people you know okay so maybe facebook is great but there are some people that just really hate facebook they don't want them to have their information they don't want to do it if you're if you're going to do it shoddy then just don't do it at all which again could go against contrary to the analytics but could be the right decision for an individual yeah i, I completely agree and that was my whole approach uh with my business where i first of all I've never really understood Twitter. I've never been able to wrap my head around it. And so I don't know how to do it from a personal standpoint uh, as well as from a business standpoint. So I'm like, I'm not even going to worry about that. Um, and so, yeah, I'm going to focus on the, the, the platforms that I can do and, you know, go from there. Cause yeah, I agree. Having like a ghost town of a profile uh, doesn't reflect well at all. Good points. I just went ahead and created all social media profiles. <laughs> you know, you got to have them all, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, There's nothing wrong with, yeah, nothing wrong with grabbing a username yeah. and, and yeah. just holding on, keeping it in your back pocket. But yeah, I mean, yeah, you if you're going to start using it, 
you might want to stick to it. <laughs> That's right. I agree. And, and you, you've kind of brought up my point, Nathan, which is at least grab your username. Even if you're, you, if it's a big social network, if it's the smaller ones that, that I wouldn't really worry about it, but if it's a big one, if you hate Facebook, go grab your username for Facebook. If you can create the page, unshow it, you know, you can hide that page from the social media profiles and stuff until you're ready because it's better to be prepared and maybe do nothing at all. It doesn't cost anything. It takes about two seconds to set it up. You know, it's just kind of a good, good tip to do. Instead. On, on that topic, I th- that kind of reminds me, um, what do you guys feel about posting the same content to all social networks? And do you feel like that works or is it better to focus on bringing content that's unique to each you know each platform's unique strength so for example instagram doing a lot more visual stuff um, obviously youtube is, is video but uh, you know sometimes it's easy to, to write a blog post and then blast out to everything is that a bad thing um or yeah what, what's everyone's thoughts on that i think it depends um I actually was only really using, I don't have a lot of experience with a lot of um, these social tools. I had added um, that IF, what is it? If that, if this, then that, the IFTTT, those little apps. Um, I had my Facebook automatically shooting to Twitter, um, which was fine for a while. But then, you know, I go and check my Twitter and because of the character count, it'll just put the dot, dot, dot and whatever. And I don't like the way that looks. And so then I would even end up deleting it, rewriting it for Twitter or whatever, just to make it look good. Um, and, but there are some things that I, I will post, post to Facebook that I won't post to Twitter or Instagram. I kind of try to divvy it up, kind of just different kinds of uh, posts. Divvy it up? Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Nice. laughs> yeah. Um, but I think it just depends. I, uh, sometimes I, I will use the same exact verbiage on Facebook and Twitter. I do have, I, I, I'm pretty sure I do. Well, from the stats I look at, I don't have the same um, followers. You know, you know, sometimes you see your same followers on all the socials, um, but mine tend to not be the same people. Um, so depending on what it is, I'll go ahead and do the multi- multiple things exactly the same. But, you know, again, it just depends. That's other times I'll be like, no, 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 that's just for Twitter. Yeah. One of my um, lines of reasoning that I've used with clients is to say like, especially when it comes to just like a blog post notification or something like that, not like a specific campaign generated for that audience or whatever. But there is, I think, some validity to the idea of like, let your audience consume your stuff where they like to be. Because we all have our favorites and the ones we're comfortable with. So if somebody, I'm not really a Twitter person either, but if some people who like Twitter love Twitter, they're on there all day long. So if if I want to reach them, then send, you know, send it, so just kind of blast some things out, but then, you know, that, like you're saying, it doesn't work across the board because of the different, the nature of the different platforms. Yeah. I think learning each platform is important. I mean, um, we do a lot of blasting out the same content to each network, but we change the presentation for each network. So mm-hmm. like if it's a, so for instance, we'll do the exact same posting to like Google plus and to Facebook. And yes, we still post to Google plus, uh, but <laughs> somebody is, yeah, it's, it's weird. There's still people there. We, we get like, yeah. like, I don't know, every, every month just from our social postings, which take like two seconds uh, per post to do 
we get like 5,000 hits. So it's like, why not? You know, it oh, doesn't yeah, take yeah, that's that much it. effort. So anyway, the same, we'll do the exact same post to Facebook as we do to Google plus, but then we'll, you know, do the title and the link on Twitter. Um, and then for like Pinterest, we'll actually pull like an image from the post and have a little snippet to go along with that. So it's a little, it kind of fits the Pinterest format and yeah. So just, you know, you don't have to do, no, we don't, but I've actually thought that that would be great to, to start posting to there, but I kind of want to get our, uh, our profile, like our company profile all prettied up first, but. Yeah, I, I think we do kind of the same thing that Nathan does is that we take the same content and create for different social profiles. So we'll have the messaging a little bit different tailored for that network. So mm-hmm. Twitter, it's 140 characters. We, we put the meat of the stuff in there and, and Facebook's going to be totally different and stuff. Now we do have people that do it. Our content writer, Lisa does all of our social posting and stuff. Um, Anna, who is a, a graphics person, a new person is super social savvy created a Divi space Instagram <laughs> account and has been just like posting like, you know, like a madman over there, which is kind of awesome. I'm excited about that. Um, so, you know, those are some of the things that we do. I don't think they're too terribly different than anybody else. Um, I wish we, I, what I realize the most, the longer I'm in business and the more our business grows and stuff, I realize just how much work it does take to, If you do one social profile properly, much less manage multiple ones, it's a ton of work. Here's something else that's interesting to me, maybe interesting to our audience. Because we have two Divi companies, so to speak, Aspen Grove Studios and Divi Space, when we started getting into these two audiences, I assumed that they would be identical because they're Divi audiences and they are the total (laughs) opposite. They're very different. And that surprised me. Aspen Grove studios has what it is more of a web developer audience. A lot of our, our, our people consuming our content and customers on, on the store side are web developers who are building websites for client and multiple sites. The Divi space audience is, a lot of do-it-yourselfers. They aren't web professionals, and they aren't. And that was just shocking to me that, you know, I would have thought that they would have been, like, identical audiences, and they're really not. So Those are SJ fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. They're SJ fans. That's, you know. Those are all the, the, the women that Nathan's talking about. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, SJ's got a strategy there with a... With a uh, vacation photos of his bare butt (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) we have have a new divi module coming out it adds uh, it's we call it the sj module it adds a sexy man to any divi page (laughs) that's awesome that's cool that'd be that'd be a good april can i get a lifetime membership (laughs) (laughs) that's right SJ, if you're watching, here you go. You got fans. Uh, <laughs> well, so what now, we're the... talking about how complicated all this is. Do you guys do these services for clients too? Because talk oh, no. about like wanting to blow your brains out. I was doing that. And I started, which this may sort of transition us into the apps a little bit. I hope it's not too early to do that. But I, 
I started a spreadsheet because we were planning out social posts for a couple different clients. And, you know, you've got slightly different messaging, links or no links, depending, you know, all of these things. And so I had these big spreadsheets with like little approvals or notes from the client because it was insane to try and manage the approval process. And then we're putting like little thumbnails of the image in the spreadsheet, blah, 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 blah. And they'd come back with all these edits. But then that's when I went from there, I transitioned into some of these apps that we're going to talk about, which. Yeah. And I, I hope that we do cover, I mean, there's a lot of things to cover and UTM tracking codes. Do you guys do this? Do you, do you take the time to go in and put in individual tracking codes for the social profiles and stuff so you can track it in analytics? I'd be curious, Nathan, do you guys do that with elegant themes? Yeah. So we use, um, we use CoSchedule as our social okay. posting platform, and we also and we also have a spreadsheet, a big one that is our is our actual like here's a rundown of everything we need to create and CoSchedule so that it's just like a checklist to go through. But um, the cool thing about that service is they automatically add those tracking links to our because you you have to link your when you start up you have to link your analytics account to them, and so um, every link you create has its own campaign. Um, in analytics, generated from title, which make yeah, which makes it really handy. Yeah, we can see every we can track all of that. So awesome, yeah, because we're manually doing it right now. <laughs> really, we're adding you know UTM tracking codes. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh I thought you meant something else. <laughs> well, no, well, yeah, and we're posting manually. We don't use any of the social tools, so I came on this episode to be part listener too, and to <laughs> potentially go away with some help. Because we are manually, we're still manually doing things. Yeah. We still manually do it. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, it's just, we got to the point where, so like right now we're posting 150 different social media posts every week. And for us, for me, when, you know, that's just like supposed to be a small part of my job is doing that. And it was taking up like a huge portion of every day. And so the reason we went with co-schedule we, we had been using, um, we'd done some manual stuff, then we had used Hootsuite, and then we tried Buffer out and finally landed on CoSchedule because they just have all these amazing scheduling and automation features that, that really help us. We can link up to like 10 or 15 accounts and it's, it, it helps if you, you're running short on time. But I want to mention that even though I'm talking a lot about how this is this social posting is easy. It only takes a few seconds, blah, blah, blah. We we're using co-schedule for automation. If your approach to social media is um, you want it to be fast, you want it to be simple, you want it to be cheap. You want it to be like unskilled. You know, if you're hiring somebody, you're going to have a bad time because it's not like everything involved in social media from a platform side is meant to be like easy, but to get the results you want to get the tracking that David's talking about, or, you know, it's going to involve a lot of time and a lot of craft and a lot of work. And, you know, it's copywriting, it's asset design, it's, you know, grabbing the right. Yeah. It's a lot of learning and, and it's a lot of time spent engaging, you know, like posting is only part of the process. You know, you actually have to engage with the audience and, and talk to the people that you're posting at. Otherwise you're just shouting at people essentially. Like nobody walks into a party and just starts yelling at people and expect <laughs> to like be the life of the party. Like they're going to get shot in the door. 
but you know, the, the better thing to do is to show up, to listen a little bit, kind of hang out until you find a good opening and then you insert something funny, valuable, useful, whatever. And all of a sudden you're part of the conversation. So that's the goal of social media. Like, you know, I, that's the analogy I share with, with whether it's clients, if I, when I was consulting or with, you know, people now who I'm just like talking about strategy and talking shop, you know, imagine every social network as a different kind of party with a different format, but the, the basic underlying social cues and rules still apply. You can't just show up and start shouting. You're going to get ignored. You're going to be labeled the weird person. Um, you're going to get unfollowed. You're going to get, un- yeah, exactly. People are going to actively shut you out instead of maybe accidentally hear your message. So it's worth, it's worth noting that this is, while there are a lot of tools to make it simple, this is not something that is easy or quick or cheap even. Um, if, if you want this social media to be a part of your, a major part of your marketing strategy, it's going to be an investment of, of money and, and resources and time. And it probably and all these platforms be. change so fast. Yes. Yeah. 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 And Great if you point. don't keep up, you know, like, if, like in what we were talking before, like this is where someone likes to be like people who are on Instagram all the time or Snapchat or whichever it is. They're on there. They know all the new features. If you're not using them and pitching yourself as a technology person, like it's going to come across like you don't know what you're doing. Yep. Good point. And that's why I don't tweet. <laughs> Cause I'm like Tim. I mean, it just, you know, I, I find for myself that it just takes, it does take so much time and effort and I suffer from perfectionism. So I think I've got to get it just perfect and stuff to put it out there. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, I wish I, I wish we could post a, say that we post 150 some odd different social posts a week, but you know, in reality we don't, you know, we, we post about 10% of that right now, which for our small company is a lot. It's yeah, a lot of work that goes. We didn't yeah. post that much until until we found that that formula I was talking about at the very beginning. You know, like when we figured out consistently what what would get the traction and return on investment and where our audience was at, then we scaled up. But we didn't do that for a really long time. Well, how do you do that, Nathan? That's a that's a good question. <laughs> I love that. Let's talk about how did you all figure that out? What was it? Was it something that you did? Was it just split testing content, throwing it out to the different networks, seeing the response. Yeah. I mean, mostly when, when, when we started up, you know, it was the big three, it was Facebook, Twitter, and Google plus Uh, Google plus just kind of faded. Facebook went way up and Twitter um, to be honest, has never been a strong platform for us. Not because there's not a lot of WordPress people on there. We actually get a lot of engagement on Twitter for the effort that we put into it, but it was never like a big driver of traffic or conversions. And so, you know, we want to make sure that we kept up our presence there. And so we still post to it quite a bit, but we don't actively engage. We're not like on there building lists and replying to every single, you know, at tweet or starting a lot of new conversations. I mean, I think we could probably have some more success there if we wanted to spend that kind of time and energy on it. But we also are going the path of least resistance. Like, you know, when our community sprouted up, you know, a bunch of organic uh, Facebook groups that were really popular, we realized that that was the platform that our community seems to prefer. So we spent a lot of uh, time and energy and money figuring out what works on Facebook. Um, when we did that, you know, that, that involved a lot of Nick getting in there and tweaking with ad spins and figuring out what formats of ads and what formats of 
links and images and stuff work. And once we figured that out, we started, you know, through trial and error, there's no, it's no guidebook. Um, (laughs) Then you just, you know, you, you take note of that and you keep scaling it up and you spend more money. um, You spend more time, you create more assets. Um, And then as we noticed that our organic reach on Facebook was starting to, to die down and that our ad spend was, becoming a little less effective because of some of the algorithm changes in the last year or so. Um, we really ramped up our efforts on YouTube because we were getting just a ton of engagement on YouTube with, you know, relatively little effort. And so we put more effort into it to try to expand that. It's, it's not like rocket science. It's just following those principles that we talked about at the beginning and, and, you know, staying after it. (laughs) There. I think that's so the, the hardest the part is just and doing the audience it. evolves, right? Like, I mean, yeah. it's a, it's an ever changing kind of thing. You kind of got to. Yeah, exactly. So like, we don't, you know, we don't spend a lot of energy on Google plus anymore. We just <laughs> post links to it a couple of day, you know, a couple of times a day, but like on Facebook, we're posting, you know, a ton of stuff and we're, you know, we're doing live streams and all this other because that's where our audience is. And that's what, that's what connects. And we're just figuring out every way that they, prefer to consume content on that network. And now we're doing the same thing on YouTube. So awesome. Yeah. That lady with the painter must be doing good because I've seen that like 50,000 times. (laughs) (laughs) And Gino, right? uh, Yeah. (laughs) Well, I've seen the commercial more than I've seen Gino. So I don't know what that means, but um, (laughs) I think he might be our highest converting video. I don't even Uh think I get that one ever. Really, I, I rarely, I rarely see the Gino video. Same. That's yeah. I do, I do, I do see the commercial one all the time with the painter, yeah. like literally every single day. Yeah, that's awesome. That's yeah. funny. You're probably sick of it. It's not know. awesome. Yep. <laughs> no, I'm done. I'm over it. Yeah, I see. What, what about my that, ass, Stephanie? You see that my commercial boy? and Tim's. I see yours a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. On, let's let's, do it. let's let's talk about. Um, because we're a good ways through the show right now. Let's talk about some of the tools that we use. Obviously, you mentioned CoSchedule, Nathan, mm-hmm. and you can feel free to dive more into that. But, you know, there's some other tool. I don't know how expensive CoSchedule is. So it's it on may the be out of the side for sure. Yeah. 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 It may be. Uh, we'll try to give some some free tools that you can use as well. I think uh, Facebook has its own ad manager built into it has anybody used it i have ad manager well not ad manager but the uh scheduling the scheduler yeah yeah it yeah. works great yeah but it's only right. i'm pretty one, one thing yeah. i want to say really quick i don't know if this is the most opportune time but um I've heard a myth. I don't know if it's a myth or if it's true. It's been around for several years and I've still heard people talk about it that Facebook rewards people that will post through Facebook itself opposed to going through uh, Buffer or Hootsuite or you know some of the other tools, CoSchedule. Is that true? Do, they, do you get better engagement if you post directly through Facebook or is that just a myth? I don't know the answer to that, but I do know if you post through those other apps, it will say like mm-hmm. posted by buffer or posted by whatever right. it is, which may or may not impact your users as opposed to it saying posted by, you know, Divi life or posted by sweet tea or whatever it is. I don't, I don't really love that it does that, but. Yeah. The, the reason I, I don't heard know is that they... that's affecting the analytics. Yeah. 
their algorithms are trying to get you on their platform form more than, you know, using third party tools. So yeah, I don't know. I've heard it. I've always kind of wondered if it was true, if there's any Something merit. I, I have noticed and I'm, I mean, I, I guess I could be imagining it. I don't know. It's happened several times, but whenever I, for the Divi chat page, when I do a regular post, you know, type it up and then publish, then um, we get, we get okay engagement, you know, people are liking and commenting, but when I schedule a post, it's like zero. Um, and I've even like taken down the scheduling and redone it just to kind of see like, is that really just the scheduling thing? And it's happened like three times. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. And that's the Facebook scheduler? Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, that's so. a, that's, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Could it be I don't the know audience what, is different or something? I, I mean, I don't think so. I mean, the, as far as like times of day, they're generally, you know, like in, about the same. I don't know. I don't know. That's just, weird. It happened a few times. Like the first time I was like, okay, that that's just me. But after like the third time, I was like, no, something's weird with the schedule thing. So I just try not to schedule anymore. <laughs> Yeah, there's yeah. something to be said for the, you know, a little bit of manual process, like the spreadsheets that we've all talked about, or most of us talked about, you know, we have a kind of a timetable for the day. And I, I will schedule a lot of stuff out, but some stuff goes out more or less just every day at a certain time. And I just log in and put it out there. But I, I haven't noticed as much of a difference between, you know, live posts or posts scheduled in the moment versus scheduled. But um that's interesting. I should pay closer attention, maybe. Well, it's I've heard the same thing for a while. Yeah. Oh, really? I have. I have heard the same thing. I know when I initially started, um, I was using Buffer and stuff, and I know a few. Now, this was probably three years ago. Um, that there was, it was well documented throughout. You could Google and find out that Facebook's algorithms, in particular Facebook their algorithms definitely penalized third-party app. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if it, to me, it, it seemed like it had to do with spam and stuff, just people spamming things out. Um, but maybe it's more along the lines of what Tim was talking about and wanting, you know, I mean, if I'm in business and I want you to use my platform and it's about, <laughs> it makes sense to me to try to draw, you, give you every incentive to, to use my platform, so to speak. But I well, think- Well, then Instagram- has been even worse. Yeah. Well, I think when you reach the size of audience like Elegant Themes has, it's the audience is so big that you really don't notice it. And it's probably us smaller little guys where our audiences aren't massive, where we do notice those types of things and stuff. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. with Facebook in particular, the organic reach when you're just posting something opposed to ads is like, so like insignificant compared to your overall followers like there's memes about it you know how you you tell people hey come follow me over here on facebook and then facebook makes you pay in order to reach your entire audience of people that have chosen to follow you um and so that, yeah there's i mean there's definitely something to be said about organic posting in general how you know i mean i'm sure you could talk about that nathan you know you guys have you know, several hundred thousand followers on Facebook and an organic posts might reach, you know, like 5% or something like that. Yeah. We're on, we have about 115 to 120,000 right now. And when we publish a, the average like blog post, it gets like 2000 people. <laughs> to, yeah, right. So and, and, unless we, unless we boost it and which we do, 
Um, but it's just kind of crazy. Like, yeah, you're right. You know, we, our organic reach on Facebook has nosedived. I mean, they, they do everything they can to like keep you from easily reaching your entire audience, which <laughs> is kind of maddening. But the, but the reason why they do that is because they've made what's probably the best targeted ad system ever. Um, and they know that if they can get everybody used to using that, not only do they make a ton of money, but everybody who's using it actually gets really good results. So I can say that our, our ad buys are very accurate and very good and we get a great return, but it's still kind of a bummer when you do spend all that time to build an audience and then you have to pay to reach them. It, it really does feel underhanded at times. Yeah, you're like, really? Totally. Like I did this <laughs> right. and you're going to charge me. <laughs> Not me and, and that's what I, you know what I mean. And yeah. that's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say in Facebook's defense, um, their ads stuff is it, it does really well. The return on it is very, very good. Um, I was just looking at it today. Tim and I were kind of going over some stuff earlier today in a call, and we were specifically looking at return on ad spend in Facebook yeah. and stuff, and it's like it's like 10 times. So what makes me, it makes me wonder if like we've passed like a certain like gold rush in terms of, you know, the ability to build an organic audience. Cause like, you know, we were able to build a large audience before, you know, the crackdown of organic reach. Now someone's starting out, like they don't get to start with yeah. all the, all the, you know, wild, wild west stuff that mm -hmm. earlier companies got away with. You know, there's some of the biggest brands in the world started out as like a, a couple viral videos or viral postings on Facebook. And now, you know, there are huge social media presences. And I just don't know that that's possible anymore. Not, not nearly as easily. Right? Yeah. And then on the ad side too, people are saying that like the inventory quote unquote of Facebook ads has been. Uh, is like getting less and less, which meaning ad costs is going to continue to go up. And so you're going to yep. have to continuously pay more to reach, you know, the same amount of people that you did last year. Yeah. That's the other thing is it's getting more and more saturated and more and more expensive to use. So there's going to be a tipping point. It'll, it'll like kind of regulate itself here eventually. But in the meantime, I mean, I know I just speaking for us, we're actively looking at other platforms going like, okay, like we're shifting a lot of our attention to YouTube because of this. It's not that we're, you know, ditching Facebook by any stretch of the imagination, it's still, like I said, excellent returns, but you know, there is still more of that, you know, unregulated viral or just organic potential in other places right now. And um, if you know how to do it, it's still super valuable and you definitely want to take advantage of it. And that's why I think email lists are still so valuable. So good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so valuable. So, you know, keep driving them to your website. I think Elegant Themes has done a fantastic job of doing that. Um, email marketing is nowhere near dead and it's really good. Um, I want to know some of the secrets. Maybe we can share with the audience, Nathan, YouTube <laughs> tips, what we can do. Cause our, our little YouTube channels at about 320. Actually, I think Divi space is just, I mean, a uh, Divi chat's just, just passed a thousand likes on our Facebook page or maybe All our right. YouTube channel. So give us some tips on how to, you know, the wild, wild west stuff. We want that. That would be great for the audience. Um, well, um, we've had a lot of luck with 
uh, like video SEO. So we use a service called vidIQ. This would be a great time to have Mac as a guest on the show. Oh, um, oh yeah. Uh, he and um, our, our new video specialist, Matt, will use um, uh, vidIQ to figure out like which things we need to tag, like which keywords we need to tag all of our videos with. Um, you know, we also, you know, the cool thing about um, YouTube in terms of content discovery, it's, it's, a, it's by Google. It's a lot like their search engine. So if your, your content is relevant to the keywords that you're promoting, like there's, it's smart enough to promote your videos in the search. So we publish, I mean, we tend to do kind of longer in-depth tutorial videos on keywords that they're relevant for. And because we've been able to boost that by, piggybacking on the popularity of other channels that we built before we were able to grow our audience by quite a bit. So that's step one, right? So like we use the popularity of our blog and the reach of our blog to grow our YouTube channel by putting big subscribe buttons, like under all of our videos. So we used our most popular network to drive people to a platform that had more potential, um, and, and try to get that as big as possible, as fast as possible. The other thing we did was once we found the right, um, ad buying strategy on, on YouTube, which took a lot of trial and error. Um, we just boosted that up as, as much scaled it as, as much as possible and, um, made sure that we took full advantage of, um, YouTube's features. Like they have like subscribe buttons that you can add to every video. So like the videos that we were boosting a lot, um, we made sure that they all had subscribe buttons attached to like as overlays on the video and things like that to try to get people to do it. We also did a lot of the, we're doing a lot of the end card stuff now and they have a lot of things that you can add like little cards and menus that fly in over your video. So we're, we're getting into that right now. And it's great. Cause as you watch, as people are watching, they might lose interest or see something else that they want to go to. But if there's like a menu on your um, video, that's pushing them to other videos, you're still keeping them engaged. And I think, you know, the, the seven touch rule is probably still a pretty good rule for video too. You know, like if someone watches, a handful of your videos, there's a pretty good chance they're going to subscribe because they're pretty engaged. And I think, I think that's another topic. I won't dive off because that I'm like, I must love the video aspect because <laughs> all of my spidey senses are going insane. <laughs> Here's a tip. Any, anybody that's watching this, if you want to, I'm not a person that's, that's all into reinventing the wheel. I like to watch what other people are doing, seeing what's successful. What I just heard Nathan say is that I need to go pay very close attention to Elegant Themes as <laughs> see where they're posting, seeing what they're doing, you know, and just replicate it, try it out and stuff, and it probably will work and stuff. Uh, let's talk about some apps, though. Let's get into, like, tools. We started to, um, you know, buffer. So yeah. well, I have a question because I don't really use um, many apps. I've heard of, of these, of course. So Hootsuite and Buffer, they're – they just, you connect them to all your socials and they're scheduled for you. Is that what they do or do they do more now? So I know Hootsuite, I haven't used it in several years, um, but I was pretty familiar with it. Yeah, you can set up your different social profiles. So you can uh, connect it to your Facebook account, your Twitter account, and you can have different feeds. So you can um, have a, a feed for like a certain hashtag. So you can keep an eye on that. And then you can schedule posts. Uh, and so you can have it, uh, you know, schedule posts for Facebook, Twitter, et cetera. Uh, I think Buffer is a little bit different philosophy where you like create a, I don't know the, the terminology, um, like a bucket of, of posts, and then it will automatically post at different times, 
um, so that there's like a consistent flow uh, so that they're not all like, you know, during eight to five business hours when you're there, you know, to actually post live, um, but it'll kind of uh, stretch it out over the course of, you know, how many posts you have. Um, That's as much as I know about Buffer though. I haven't actually spent a lot of time with it. I haven't used either of those two, although I know they're probably the two most popular. I've um, done a good bit of research on them. And when I was starting out, I I was looking for ones that were just in the sweet spot for budget because the way the pricing works is different for all of them, but a lot of them, it's how many people can log in and how many accounts can you use. And so for, for my company, I wanted to have at least three and I had a couple clients that I needed three or four for each of them. And so I needed to maximize my, what I was, my bang for my buck, basically. The two I've used with pretty good success were Zoho Social, um, and, which I used for a while. And then I wanted um, something that had a bit um, more features for client approval. And I think they have actually since then added some of that, but I switched to uh, one called Social Pilot. And I really like that one quite a bit. They, they have a lot of nice features. They have like a drag and drop calendar instead of just picking dates in a list and things like that. And it was, you know, it, it's pretty affordable as far as like the plans. Um, I have it pulled up. It's, it's less you than- said Social Pilot? Social Pilot. Yeah, okay. it's .co, socialpilot.co. So they have an $8 a month plan where you can have 10 social media accounts and 50 posts a day, you can queue a thousand posts, things like that. And then it goes up to $80 a month, you know, so they all sort of, it's, it's based basically on those kind of things. And then um, reporting and analytics are usually the higher plans, of course, but they all sort of have similar kind of things. Instagram, it has historically been kind of troublesome because they wouldn't really release their API fully. Um, it's gotten better. But, um, you know, so there is a little bit of manual stuff anyway, like you would have to still have your phone whenever you had it scheduled. But, um, and, you know, you can't post stories or things like that from the schedule schedulers. So, you know, there's that, but it is great for when, if you want to have a, you know, have a monthly plan and just schedule out, go crank out all your graphics, do your keyword research, pop it all in, and then walk away, and then just fill in the gap little by little as the month goes on. They're awesome. Yeah, we've used both Hootsuite and Buffer. Uh, Hootsuite the most. We recently killed our subscription with Hootsuite. Sorry, Hootsuite. You're out of here. Um, and, we, and we went back to manually posting and stuff because I don't remember why we made that decision, but Tim was right on the Hootsuite. Buffer... What's really cool about Buffer, one aspect, is that they do have really good WordPress integration. So you can programmatically set anytime you post a new blog post and it hits your website, Buffer can grab that blog post and put it out to your social profiles. And I don't know what it's like now, but that used to be free. That used to be a free function of Buffer. Uh, And you didn't get into the paid plans until... I can't remember what what the threshold was, but the free service seemed pretty legit actually on Buffer a while back. I liked that aspect of it, but we killed it because, like Tim Tim brought up the um, you know Facebook penalizing posters and stuff, and that's the reason whole reason why we moved away from it and stuff. Um, but I would love to you know I'm going to check out CoSchedule for sure. 
because I think we're at a point now where we we post so much and we may actually be costing ourselves money because we're manually posting all of this stuff. So I'm excited to check that one out. I hope it's not too terribly expensive, Nathan. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, let me look, pull up some of the pricing plans. It's yeah. I've heard good things about Coast Schedule too. I know a lot of yeah. people use it. I did a little chat with them when I was researching all my stuff. But. Oh, it's amazing. I, I love it. So you can get, um, three users and 10 social profiles and one cat like that includes one like social calendar looks like for $60 a month. So not horrible. Um, but if you want some of the more powerful features, it, it costs a little bit more. So like, um, there's one that I'm hoping will spring for soon. Cause right now I'm doing it manually. It's called their requeue feature. Mm, um, that's nice. and what it for does evergreen, is, for evergreen stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it pulls your most, so it, it like looks at all your social postings and all the content on your blog and it automatically reshares your most engaged content. I've heard of tools like that. Um, not through co-schedule and actually I might be thinking of something that reshared like, like some sort of plugin that reshared your posts or mm -hmm. something like that. Um, but I had a question because sometimes I see, and I don't know, I don't remember if it was from, Maybe it's the Facebook scheduler or one of these tools, but sometimes I'll see companies, um, they have like a promoted post and it'll be from like a sale and it's the, the, the dates have passed and there's, they're still showing the sale like post or whatever. Is that, mm. are there like, you know, settings in, in these things where, okay, after this certain, you know, date, don't rehash that post or whatever. I mean, um, that's one of the options usually, right? I think so. We actually haven't used that feature yet because it's an oh. add-on to the plan that we have. Um, that's a good question because, yeah, I could see it. We have like some of our most popular posts of all time were like got huge spikes in traffic because of the sale. And so they're like, they look, you know, they, uh, you know, by the numbers, it's like, oh, we should reshare that post all the time. But it's like, if you're a human looking at it, you're like, of course right. you should do that post ever right. again. It's, <laughs> it's old content now. But, um, but yeah, it's a good have... question. I think they probably do. I do have some questions, some other things. My mind's going pop, 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 especially with social media. Apparently, those are the sounds of ideas. Pop, pop, pop. <laughs> I had Hold this on, happen to, to me the show. other day. Okay. I don't know. Are you guys familiar with Grant Cardone? He's an internet marketer. He's rated by Time or Newsweek and all these. It's like the number one internet marketer out there, right? Yeah, you're telling me about him. I just saw this video and, you know, I knew who he was, so I watched it. And what I didn't know was that he's a Louisiana boy, and he's from right here where I am, like five minutes down the road. You so know. you called him? <laughs> no, no. I I commented on the video on the because it was a Facebook Live video. I, I thought he was going to say I went to his house. Of course. <laughs> no, not yet, Nathan. I haven't. He doesn't live here anymore. He lives in Miami. But I could probably go meet his mama and then get a connection. <laughs> Um, but <laughs> Sorry, here's resist. the thing. No, look. So, a week after I posted, you know, I tagged him in the post. I said, "Hey, Grant, great video. Didn't realize we had so much in common." And really simple post. A week later, I received a Facebook message, and I'm convinced that it was a chat bot that mm -hmm. picked up my my comment out of the Facebook Live video. And said, "Hey, David, thanks for recently 
commenting and and you know on our post glad to see you will you be joining us in miami at our next conference just wanted to know and my first thought when i saw it was like oh wow this is my first experience with a chat bot and i'm hearing all these things <laughs> that you know of that i know of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> leslie bot is a chat bot <laughs> um so but it but i didn't feel like I was put off by it um, at all. I actually yeah. was like, oh, this is interesting. And it made me think it was something that I really needed to investigate doing because I see the numbers, the engagement according to all the chatbot services out there, mini chat, you know, whatever it is. They say the engagement's through the roof, probably much like the push notifications that we were talking about and stuff. But is that something that you guys have explored yet with Elegant Themes? Not on our social channels, but we are all in when it comes to um, automated What's messages that? through like Intercom. Okay. And it has been amazing. Like, I, I really wish that I had Mitch's whole spiel on it because he's the one overseeing that. And um, Intercom has been a total game changer for our pre-sales questions and and just sale conversions in general is that that little um the lady that comes hey do you want to chat like ask mm -hmm. answer question okay yep <laughs> and they, they just have so many great targeting um like tools and they also have a, a lot of great like uh um triggers that you can set up so it's like if somebody asks a specific question it's like smart enough to go like here's a contextual response um which is huge yeah i'm 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 very curious because i was not put off at all by this random message from a video that I posted. I think that's key though. It's gotta be contextual. So like that response that you got was contextual to your comment, you know, like, yeah. and, and I, if you're just, you know, back in the, the old days of auto responders on like uh, Twitter or whatever, like you'd tweet and you'd get like a DM that was like, Hey, what's up? Follow me. Like yeah. that's, that's horrible. Yeah. Nobody wants that. Like that's, yeah. it worked for like, you know, a year and then everybody wanted to kill themselves. Uh, <laughs> but now that we have the ability to have like contextual messaging where, you know, the bot can actually understand to a certain degree, like what you're, what you, what you want out of that engagement and then send you a piece of prepackaged content about that. That's perfect. And that's exactly what you want. Yeah, I'm trying Funny to story about what you're just talking about, Nathan. I think it was like 2010, 2011. I was new, to, you know, to all of this stuff. And I followed some entrepreneur and I got this autorespond, like direct message back saying like, thanks for following me. Like, check out this blog post or whatever. <laughs> and I responded to it because I thought it was real. <laughs> I had like just signed up for a Twitter account. It was like the initial people I was following, like brand new, didn't know that existed. And I was like, whoa, this guy responded to me like, so many followers. that's so cool. And I like, you know, responded back like, thanks so much, man. <laughs> screenshot. And share it. Yeah, screenshot. Yeah. <laughs> and then later I, I realized what it was and I felt so stupid. <laughs> well, I think we're, we're, we're about out of time. Um, there's so much that we could talk about in, in social media and tools and doing things properly and stuff. I hope that we've kind of giving you some ideas and stuff that, that may help you sort out some of the social media stuff. That, and if I can through. just say, um, if it's not your bag, like it's not my thing, I'm probably going to end up hiring somebody at some point 
Um, cause I just kind of do, I just feel it out. I do what I want, but if I wanted to be, get more serious about it, I'd probably hire someone. So if it, you know, if you find that it's too much for you, there are people that do this for a job. I, I just want to share Bridget Willer's name because she's really good at it. Um, yeah. but yeah, so, you know, there's people out there who love doing it and if they have a passion for it, you know, it's going to get done right. <laughs> Absolutely. Stephanie, are you still doing it for clients? Or- uh, yeah, but I'm, it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It's tough to make it work. From like my clients are smaller companies, and the amount of time like it's so time intensive that you know I had a few. I really don't. I actually don't have any regular clients right now. I help some of them with some graphics and things like that, but um, I don't. I don't have a regular social media client base right now, and I am okay with that because I'm trying to reevaluate the pricing model. Because for for it to be worth it for me. It's not really worth it for them. It's too expensive. And even if it wasn't too expensive, it's the ROI is so hard to justify and prove, you know, when you're talking social, that's really the t- one of the toughest things about it too. It's you, okay, well, so you got a lot more followers and a bunch of likes, but how many dollars did that put into their bank account? You yeah. know, it's such a tough one to justify. So it's a tricky, it's a tricky business, but I'm not done. I'm not done because I think it's <laughs> important and everybody yeah. knows they need it. Like it's one of the top three things that people ask me for. They need a website, yeah. they need a logo and they want somebody to help them with their social media. Yeah. And to some of the things Nathan's been talking about, like with elegant themes, it's a very long-term play, you know, a lot it of is. testing, a lot of trial and error and like yeah. dialing in a strategy and then growing the platform, then, you know, growing the next platform. So it's, yeah, I can imagine with clients, it's hard because, you know, they expect results in months, but really it's right. not realistic yeah there's a lot of uh when i take on a new client when i'm consulting i have a i have a minimum three month requirement that yeah that we have a we have a minimum one month discovery phase a minimum one month strategy phase and a minimum one month implementation phase at the end of which we're basically just getting started (laughs) (laughs) and if they're not on board with it like if they can't wrap their head around that then then i i turn them down as a client Good points. Well, do we want to do some some closing thoughts on uh, social media stuff? Leslie, did you volunteer to go first? Uh, sure. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I, I, you know, I picked the three that I that I got used to, which was Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I think what I what I which the one I like the least is probably Twitter. Um, it's just so fast. It's just, you know, I mean, you, you post something and it's freaking gone. You hope somebody sees it if, if they're online at that time. I don't know enough about it. Um, I don't even know what the little period means before. I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I'll explain I, it to you later. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think if you're getting started, maybe start with one or two um, and uh, kind of go from there. I think, uh, I think what Stephanie said about making sure going to the where your audience is going to be um that that's super important um I didn't do any of that I just kind of started them and kind of see where they went um and I'm playing it by ear but but yeah start small it's okay to do baby steps what next I'll go um I think my final thought and this isn't something that I'm necessarily practicing but something that I know I should be practicing and I think for social media keep it simple and stay consistent um you know uh, 
uh, to, to Nathan's point, I think towards the beginning, um, it's not rocket science, but it, you do have to kind of follow those, you know, basic strategies and follow like what works. Um, and then consistency, not only does it take consistency to see results, uh, over time, but when you're consistent, then you are able to, you know, you kind of have your, um, you're, you're knee deep and able to see what, what's working, what's not working. And, and so you can kind of make tweaks and, uh, you know, figure out what the best times to post the best types of content to post. Um, so that, that's kind of my strategy for the second half of this year for my business is those two things, um, keep it simple and, and stay consistent so that I can actually, you know, start to see a return from it. Awesome. Who wants to go next? Stephanie, go. Uh, I think for the people listening to this that are considering diving in to up their game, um, I mean, all of the points that have been mentioned, of course, but I think the tools are really useful. I think you can, it's easy to become overwhelmed and it's easy to fall behind. And when you're trying to be consistent, planning helps and we're all running businesses and we're all busy. So find one of these tools, you know, Buffer, Hootsuite, CoSchedule, Zoho Social, Social Pilot, those are just some of them. There's tons out there. So pick one, you know, pick one that you can afford and schedule some posts. Even if you schedule one a week, schedule them, take two hours and build all your stuff at the beginning of the month and schedule them out and then see how that goes. And then, and then you can sprinkle a couple things in that are a little bit more impromptu. But to me, I think that, and again, same as Tim, I'm not really practicing what I preach on this either, but <laughs> it's in my goals as well. You know, I'm working toward it too. And, and that's the thing with social. It's like, you know, nobody is really perfect at it. It's, it's, it's tough and it's constantly changing. So you kind of got to just keep, keep at it, you know, but I do think those tools are really useful as far as streamlining the time spent. Yeah in an effort not to repeat myself and to follow up on something that I, I teased very early on, which is I had a story about um, falling in love with a social platform that oh, didn't yeah. have an ROI. <laughs> so back in, back in the day before I was even like a real WordPress blogger, I was like all in on Tumblr. Um, and Me I did. loved it. And I found that I, <laughs> like, I, I just enjoyed posting on it. I was like in love with the, the format of, of that style of, of blogging. And I quickly got a following and I got addicted to it. And I was like, this is amazing. I was spending tons of time on it. I had 50 to 60 posts a day on Tumblr and my audience was growing by like a hundred or more a month. I had thousands, thousands of followers. Every post was getting 50,000 engagements, but guess how much money I made from it? <laughs> nothing. I made absolutely nothing from it. And then I found out that my buddy who had, 2000 people visiting his WordPress blog every month. He was able to capture a portion of those uh, through like e email signup forms and then market to them through email. And he was making $2,500 a month off of like less than 5,000 hits. And I was blown away. And that was actually the thing that got me to switch to WordPress, but it was also a valuable lesson about platforms for me because it doesn't matter how engaged, like, let's say every part of this equation, but the ROI is working, you're still failing. As early as you can. So don't be afraid to fail as often as it takes yeah. to figure out what that ROI equation is and then go all in that. That's my final piece. Well, Nathan, I, for one, am glad that Tumblr failed you. <laughs> 
I don't know that I have any super wisdom. Uh, I, I love everything everybody said. I think the trick is to, you know, find out where your audience is, be consistent, you know. Um, I think video is going to be huge. It's already huge. It's going to continue to be huge. It's going to get even bigger. Um, this just in, video will be big. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Tim. I meant to say bigger. It's going to get bigger. Good hard time. <laughs> That's all right. Um, so I, I kind of like, you know, the video platforms. Obviously, YouTube's already number two search engine in the world. Um, I, I, I personally just think video is going to be bigger and bigger and bigger. And we're going to definitely move more in the video direction over the next year and stuff. So. IGTV has your name on it, David. Oh, uh, yeah. You and Tim over IGTV. <laughs> I can see that. Totally. Les, Leslie, do we know what our topic for next week is by chance? Um, I'm looking at it. Never mind. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I don't know that oh. I can announce next week's topic. No, I think we're going to change that. Yeah. We'll probably change it to be yeah. determined. <laughs> TBD. <laughs> TBD. It was, it was a topic that, uh, you know, revisiting developer edition and stuff. And I don't think we're ready to revisit that yet. So we're going to come up with another. David, are you thinking again? Am I what? <laughs> you thinking? Yeah, I sat down. I went ahead and. Sat. Yeah, I did, I did too. I went on a hike yesterday. My legs are sore. I couldn't stand the whole episode. All right, everybody. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And we'll see you next week on Divi Chat. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye -bye. Yeah.